Amen. Hey, once again, we are in study in the world religions, cults, and the occult. Notice the extra line there because we have a new board there, Chris. It's massive and big. This is the new Nephilim board. How many of you guys like the Nephilim board? I like this. Uh, I might affectionately uh, call it the Genesis 6 uh, writing tablet. But anyway, that's right. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, uh, we are in the study. Mary, what is it? And the rise of Wicca is what we've been on for a while there. Uh, 19 times who's counting? I am, Debbie, in case you're wondering there. Uh, we've already seen so far in the study the definition of Wicca uh, is basically witchcraft. That's what the term certainly means. Then the different types, the location, all over the world. The protection is who? It comes from Jesus. Hello, keep that in mind. A history, we took a world history tour on that. Then we uh, look at the history of Wicca coming out of mainly European witchcraft. That wasn't the only place, but that's a big one. Then we took a look at their beliefs, symbols and that's where we uh, went off last time is into their practices okay is where we're at on this study okay and what we saw basically we narrowed it down there uh, and we can't cover them all but just kind of hit some of the main practices of of Wicca Uh, and we saw of course divination is a big one where they tried to contact spirits or dead people supposedly or and things of that nature but they're obviously demonic and things of that nature they have different techniques for doing that we saw there's a couple different techniques they use for divination called scrying uh, is one of them we also saw room casting is another one we also saw tarot cards all that is being popularized today unfortunately then we took a look at another practice and that is the Wiccan calendar also known as the wheel of the year and what we saw is this is certainly basically uh, the calendar the cycle that determines when they do their practices and rituals and things of that nature and we saw of course the first one on their list was what halloween now it's not typically called that they call it sahwain uh spelled s-a-m-h-a-i-n so technically you know we would say slamhain okay but it's sahwain okay and halloween what we saw basically shocker is that catholicism catholicized the pagan calendar and merged their pagan practices with the pagan calendar, including Halloween, right? And what we saw is that uh, Halloween is all about divination. Remember that was the first one on the calendar where the the veil was supposed to be the thinnest for the spirits to come back and forth and communicate and all that stuff? That's what it's really all about for witches and witchcraft and uh, pagans, okay? But also for Catholics. And basically what they did is on Halloween, Samhain, that the witches and the occult, they are trying to communicate with the dead, well, here comes Catholicism, and what do they do? They just Catholicize it and said, this is when you need to pray for the, to the dead, i.e. the saints, saint worship, or try to get people, dead people, out of purgatory. They basically just merged the two. And then what we saw basically is now we have Catholicized Halloween, Samhain, witchcraft on their calendar in many of our rituals today. And it was all about, as we saw, the Catholics encouraging people to pray to the dead, the saints, okay, uh, and to get people out of purgatory. And that was the custom that's still going on to today, been Catholicized with the Halloween costumes, the trick-or-treat aspect, the jack-o'-lantern, even bobbing for apples, and, of course, all the different things, including bobbing for apples, uh, acts of divination. Again, all Catholicism did was take this pagan practice and they Catholicized it with their pagan practice, which, shocker, just works right together because it's all about divination. When Catholics pray to a dead person for favor or something of some nature, what is that? That's divination, folks. It's the same thing as witchcraft. 
It's just been gotten away for a long time because nobody ever wants to talk about it. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more. Part two of our practices of Wicca. Okay, and once again, before we get to that, uh, let's remind ourselves once again from the Bible why witchcraft Wicca or even Catholicized witchcraft and paganism is something you should never get involved in. Okay, open your Bibles this time to Micah. Micah chapter five is our opening text. Okay, and if you find Matthew, what do you do? Hang a left, a couple books back. And uh, Matthew chapter 5, and uh, Debbie, we're going to start with verse 10. That's page 1501 of my Bible. That'll get you there real quick, in my Bible anyway. Uh, but Micah chapter 5. Now, guess what? We're talking about the coming kingdom, the millennial kingdom, when Jesus is going to rule and reign. And shocker, guess what he calls out specifically? Of all sins, of all evil behavior, guess what he calls out? Is not going to be a part of his kingdom when he rules and reigns on the planet. It rhymes with witchcraft, for those of you wondering. Okay, let's take a look here. Uh, once again, yet another text in the Bible saying, don't mess with this stuff. God condemns it. All right. Micah chapter 5. I'm speaking really slow because I know you're almost there. Because you got All right. Now, if you're wondering, I'll give you one last clue. We got to get going. We got a lot of ground to cover, guys. Okay. Look for that part of your Bible that the pages are white, crisp, clean, no wrinkles, nothing. Almost like you've never been there before. That's probably Micah. All right, Micah chapter 5. <laughs> Let's take a look. Verse 10. There's, in that day, what day? We're talking about the day of the Lord, right? When Jesus comes back at his second coming at the end. And it starts at the seven-year tribulation. He comes back at the end of the seven-year tribulation and continues on, okay, in setting up the millennial kingdom. In that day, declares the Lord, he's going to what? I'm going to destroy your horses among you and demolish your chariots. All the things that you put stock in that thought was going to give you victory. Okay, I'm going to destroy your cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I'm going to what? During the millennial kingdom, what's he going to do? I will destroy your witchcraft, and you will no longer what? You ain't going to cast no spells. You ain't going to practice nothing of the occult or witchcraft. I will destroy your carved images. You know, the images, the idols, the figurines that they worship in witchcraft. Does anybody else do that? They worship figurines and idols and... You will see that thread tonight again, folks. Okay, uh, rhymes with Catholicism. I'm going to destroy your carved images, your sacred stones from among you. You know, all those things that you use for amulets and secret power and supercharge yourself or good luck and all that baloney. Uh, you will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. Okay, I will uproot you from your Asherah poles. Remember that female deity worship back in the Old Testament? We're going to see it again tonight. And demolish your cities. I will take vengeance in anger and wrath upon the the nations that have not obeyed me. Chrome translation, when Jesus comes back, he's going to clean house. He's going to clean house on the planet, certainly with what's going on with uh, leftover uh, with Israel, but certainly the whole planet, okay? And then, shocker, why is he doing that? Why is his wrath being poured out? Why is he going to clean the, the slate, so to speak, okay? Because his kingdom is a kingdom of what? Righteousness, Right? Jesus is righteous. He's the righteous ruler. The government will be on his shoulders. Isaiah talks about that, right? So do you think he's going to allow and allow to flourish unrighteousness like we see today? No, that's why it's called the millennial kingdom. That's why it's a great hope. That's why it's a great comfort. That's why it's something to look forward to. Not just with peace with nature, but when Jesus comes back and rules and reigns, all this unrighteousness and baloney and rebelliousness and wickedness, including the occult and all this satanic baloney, is gone. He is not going to allow, and we get to be a part of that. Okay, but of all things for him to call out, okay, he clearly calls out, you, I'm not going to allow witchcraft, sorcery, spells, any of its practices, you name it. 
It's not just been condemned by God. He is not going to allow it when he takes charge, literally, physically, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem on this planet. Now, even though God says that, and how many verses, how many different times, and we still ain't done, and even in 20 weeks, Lord willing, of this study, okay, uh, we're still aren't going to exhaust all the passages, Old and New Testament, God deals with the occult and witchcraft. Okay, but even though it's all over the Bible, the problem is today, this to me is a great hope. Right, the millennial kingdom, getting to be a part of that, and, and no more of this evil, no more wickedness, no more baloney, right? No more uh, witches praying against uh, your, your government and, and yourself, uh, no more evil, no, none of that. I mean, the scripture says even during the millennial kingdom, Satan himself is bound during that whole thousand years. That's awesome, right? Now, that's something good to look forward to, but guess what? Churches aren't touching with a 10-foot pole, not just Bible prophecy, not just God's wrath and sin and hell and judgment, you know, all the other things in the scripture, but they don't talk about the occult and they certainly don't talk about the millennial kingdom. And you wonder why people are looking so hopeless. We have the brightest future on the planet. Nobody's got a better, brighter future than us, right? But nobody wants to touch it with a 10-foot pole, okay? And because of that, people who get involved in this dark realm of the occult and witchcraft, their options ain't looking good. Watch this. This is crazy. CBN News has reported witches have been increasing their political involvement since the president was first elected back in 2016. Now, this comes as witchcraft is on the rise in America. Investigative journalist Billy Hallowell delves into the strange phenomena of supernatural activity. He tells CBN News is the prayer link. It's a subject the church cannot ignore and must be equipped to handle. Why do you think the world and the church sometimes uh, tends to avoid or even ignore the topic of demons and spiritual warfare? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a topic that is spoken about more in Scripture, right, especially in the New Testament, and talked about less in churches. And I think mm. now I, I don't want to say that's every church, right, because lots of churches do a wonderful job dealing with this and talking about it. But I think we know overall that this is a topic that's avoided. And we did a survey for Playing With Fire where we went out and talked to church leaders. So these were volunteers and pastors, and we asked them, do you believe that demons exist? Of course, the vast majority said yes. Do you believe that demons are impacting culture? The vast majority said absolutely. And then we asked the question, are pastors in churches talking enough about this? And 78% said no. And so it was a really fascinating moment to, again, look at this issue and say, we are not speaking about it. Uh, and I know there are lots of stories I encountered in writing Playing With Fire of people who have gone for help. They've gone to their church and they've said, I have something going on. I can't explain it. And they're not mm. given any assistance or help. Mm. And so that that's a troubling piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I feel like every pastor should be equipped to deal with this so that people aren't dancing around going to other denominations, going to other places, because realistically, outside of the charismatic world, the only place people really know where to go would be the Catholic Church. Wow. That ain't going to help you. <laughs> I mean, really think about it. That is sad because the church, the Protestant, the evangelical church didn't want to touch with the 10-foot pole. This stuff really happens. Unfortunately, people unfortunately encounter this or uh, knowingly or unknowingly get involved in or their family, some of their friends get involved in. They got to deal with it. But you ain't got nobody to go to except for who? The charismatics, okay, as we saw as what? They're merging with witchcraft, okay? Or what was the other option? Well, you got to go to the Catholic priest, you know? You, didn't you see exorcism? Right? And then what did we see even just last time? And we're going to see it again tonight, Lord White. Who's also merged with witchcraft? Same thing. So, man, talk about a disservice to people because we don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Guess what? They need help. 
But they come to us and say, no, I don't, no, no, no. You need to go to those people. And that is not going to help at all. So we're going to do, again, what the Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read. We're supposed to study all the Bible, all the topics in the Bible, whether you like it, lump it, leave it or not. It's all for our good. All the scriptures for our good. Okay. And if God warns us repeatedly, Old and New Testament, over and over again about dark occult practices, what do you think we need to study ourselves and warn other people? dark occult practices, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the next practice tonight uh, with Wicca, and that's basically the rituals, okay? And we've took a look at a bunch of other practices. We talked about spells and potions and things of that nature, and of course last time uh, we, we saw the aspect of, you know, their calendar and things of that nature and divination, whatever. But this is the ritual. This is the big kind of big thing they do when they get together, okay, as a group or solitary, and, uh, and there's a, there is a, a, a whole ritual practice that they go through uh, that combines a lot of these other practices to, quote, get what they want uh, from supposed spirits, okay? But let's take a look at that. And this is, again, straight from the witches. Let them speak, if you will, from their mouth what they do when they get together with these rituals. Wiccan rituals and practices take on many different forms. No two events are exactly alike. Some are highly structured. Some are very elaborate. Uh, this is the case often with coven rituals when they gather together in a group. Uh, however, they admit that a lot of the coven rituals uh, we really don't know about uh, and we won't know about. And again, this has come from the witches. Okay, and the reason why is because they have secret rituals. Now, why do you think they would have secret rituals that they only tell to the initiates, i.e. those who are in doing the deed? Because some of those rituals, folks, we may not want to deal with is killing not just animals but people in these rituals, blood sacrifices, and we saw that shouldn't shock us. We certainly aren't condoning it. Uh, but in our world study, that's still going on today in other countries. At least they'll talk about it, but we won't. So you're not going to know necessarily everything, but we're going to talk about some generalities of what goes on in these witchcraft rituals, okay? Again, it could be a solitary. It could be a, a, a eclectic witches, which, again, are the ones that just basically I'm doing my own thing, and I'm picking a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever. And, and, and literally, quote, they can may be made up on the spot. Okay, because based on relativism. Uh, but again, basically, it'll depend on the occasion. These rituals will vary. As we saw before, they kind of break them up in the calendar in two things. You've got the S-bots. That's the full moon celebrations. Uh, and they focus the rituals more just focusedly just on the goddess aspect. Then you have the sabbats. Okay, uh, which is uh, doing both the goddess and the god aspect of that. Okay, but you're going to see during these rituals, you know, a lot of implements. We saw some of the tools, if you will, they used before. But, you know, a big one is the candle. Pay attention to the candle. Uh, they'll use uh, herbals. We'll see that here in just a little second, that herbs are very important. You'll also see not just herbs, you'll see also oils. Okay, you know, like holy water and Holy oil and all that. Uh, moon rituals. And you'll see this something, uh, maybe you've heard this term before, is called the law of attraction. Now, most people don't get this uh, because they don't study witchcraft and the occult, and you should because it's all over the Bible, okay? But the law of attraction is the ritual that the occult uses, including Wicca and witchcraft, to get what you want, right? It's, well, it's what it's all about. I'm doing all this to get what I want. Right? And if I don't get what I want, and if you do something I don't like, then I'm going to hex you or curse you and things of that nature. Again, the hypocrisy of their so-called wicked read, do it every one as long as you don't harm nobody. Yeah, well, whatever. If you don't get what you want, you're going to do some bad deeds. Okay, doesn't make sense. But that's what they do. It's called the law of attraction. That's an actual ritual in witchcraft. Now, what's the problem with that? 
Folks, that is all over the internet. It's all over the charismatic church. And this is what's being promoted with the word faith movement. Now, we're not going to redo our 42 week on the charismatic chaos. But remember we said their practices are merging with what? Witchcraft and the occult. This law of attraction basically is the message of the false teaching of the word faith movement. That you do the ritual, you do the deed, you give some money, you do the offering, or do this thing, or buy this guy's book, or do this technique, repeat this mantra over and over again that they want to Christianize. And it's not just New Age, it's the occult. And what's the premise? It's all to get what? What I want. I want a big house. I want a Cadillac. I want more money. Folks, that's the occult. That's what witches do. That's an actual ritual in witchcraft. In fact, they call it, not my words, theirs, the law of attraction. And that's what they even call it. As if it's some Christianized, it's nuts. But people don't get it because what? Nobody's ever taught them about the occult. Right? They're not even hiding the terms anymore, but the terms are hidden from us because we've never been taught that. Right? Okay, now, uh, now the, again, let's take a look at some more of their rituals. Let's begin to break it down. Now, again, it's kind of hard to, again, codify because, you know, it's, it's so eclectic and based on relativism. You, know, you try to say, well, here's what they do every single time. Uh, and this, you know, you'll say, oh, that's not what we do in my coven. Well, in general, here's kind of the process that with the witches will go through their rituals to basically get what they want. Okay? Now, the first thing they'll do, okay, typically is what's called a purification ritual, right? Now, the purification ritual, this is at the very beginning, typically, uh, is uh, they want to so-called purify the people who are there, these, quote, celebrants, and also the place where they're doing the ritual. Now, what they will do is sometimes for the person themselves, they'll do a ritual bath, or as you can see here, they'll do what's called a smudging ceremony, Right? And a smudging ceremony, uh, as you can see, is they, they burn herbs such as sage, rosemary, lavender, whatever. And the whole idea is it's supposed to cleanse the person, the people involved in the ritual, and that space where they're doing the ritual. Does anybody else, are they big on, you know, kind of incense and stuff? And I mean, because we all know that the Bible says that, you know, when you pray, make sure that you swing incense in a pot. Because that's how you really get connected with God. No, that's called the book of blasphemy or whatever. I just, but do you think it's my chance? Why are they, what's the, why are they so hung up on that? Oh, you're going to see a pattern tonight, folks. That's unbelievable. They didn't just merge their pagan practices with Sahuane. Okay, a lot of the things they do uh, is the same thing. The next thing they do, once they get it purified, the celebrants and the space that they're doing the ritual, they'll build an altar. The altar is what comes next. Now, you can see the figurines, right? You got the goddess on the left and the god, of course, little g, okay, uh, on, on the right there. But they got the rituals. They got the candles. Candles are very important, right, and, and certain uh, accruements there. Uh, but basically, they'll have altars outside, okay, out in public. Typically, they'll typically more hide it, more in like forests or deserted areas and things of that nature. A lot of times the police and people going hiking and stuff will find these places, but again, they haven't been taught, so they, well, the police have. Uh, but tip, some people say, well, what's all this? What's, it looks like somebody's had a campfire here, but what's all these bones and stuff? And it mm, may not just been somebody hiking, man. Look around, might have been, uh, you know, and, and be careful. Better get out of there. They may come back. So, uh, but that's what's going on. Uh, but, but sometimes they'll do these in a home. This is more, as you can see, more of a home setup. 
They set up an altar and home. Again, the figurines, you've got the female goddess and the male god on the right. They'll decorate it uh, depending on the calendar. You know, if you, if you get later into the fall, the autumn equinox, you'll bring out, the, you know, the fall kind of colors and things of that nature. Uh, you'll uh, celebrate it differently on Samhain or Halloween. They'll bring out different things of that nature. It's all arranged with their Wiccan tools, uh, symbols, and things of that nature. And anybody else do any altars? At home or in public with figurines worshiping a female deity with candles? <laughs> it's just, I'm sure it's just a quinky dink. Anybody? A little bit? Why would you do that? Why would you tell people to build an altar and then basically take Mary and turn her into a female goddess and then worship her literally and then seek guidance and supplication from her? I'm sure that's just a quinky dink. It matches witchcraft. Yeah, we've we got a long ways to go, folks. Okay, the next thing they'll do is called casting a circle, right? So you get your spot. You, you cleanse it supposedly and purify it and the celebrants and whatever. You build the altar. Now you've got to draw the circle. They call it casting the circle. Okay, now the circle is supposed to represent the two different worlds. You've got the regular world and then the, uh, the supernatural world and what have you. Uh, you basically put the altar in the middle of the circle is what the, they do. And, uh, and then they basically tell you, make sure you get the circle big enough so you've got plenty enough room to do your thing and build the altar and get around. And we're going to see some other things they do in the circle. Okay, uh, it may be marked, the circle with sea salt, a long cord, several stones, herbs, uh, and, and it could just be candles. Okay, and so they do that. So now you got that set. So now what do they do next in the ritual? Well, the next thing they do in the rituals is they start the invocation. Right? Remember, because it's about getting what you want. Right? And that you're going to contact supposedly these spirits and these dead entities or whatever supposedly. Take your pick. And uh, they're going to somehow give you what you want, okay? And, and again, um, once they're in there in the invocation, uh, they're typically, they invite the god and goddess uh, aspect of the duality uh, worship of witchcraft to be a part of the rituals. This is when they'll call out to the, quote, four elements, to the earth, the air, the fire, the water. They'll also sometimes, along with the elements, call out what's called calling the quarters, and they'll call out not just the four elements, the earth, air, fire, and water, but the north, the east, the south, and the west. They call it the calling of the quarters, right? So they're, they're calling out there and things of that nature. Sometimes they'll call in the fifth element, i.e. what they call the ether or the spirit, right? And, and basically, you know, you, you're going to get a spirit, all right, but it ain't spirit from God. Okay, things of that nature. Okay, and then, so you get all that kind of set up. And then once you get there, the, quote, heart of the ritual begins, Right, So now you're all set up. You went through that whole process. You did your circle. You got the altar going. It's all marked off, right? And here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm calling on all this and these powers. Again. And then you do what's called the intent. Why am I here? Right? Why am I doing this? And the intent is, it could be, I'm here to celebrate for witchcraft. Uh, one of the espots or the sabbats and things that nature on the calendar or a lot of times what it is is believe it or not witches will make petition or even this is their words not mine prayer to the gods and goddesses the spirits to aid them for supplication for favor for protection uh, for something that they want okay anybody else do that Anybody else pray to the dead entities uh, for um, favor, 
protection. Remember they'll even bury them in your front yard, the figurines and the saint, that one saint that's supposed to help you sell your house real fast. Not making it up. Folks, when Catholics pray to dead people, i.e. saints, and that's all they are, what is that practice called? That's an abomination to God. It's called divination. You're praying to something dead, thinking that the dead is going to give you something and not approaching God for it. That's an abomination to him. That's exactly what that is, okay? And again, back to the uh, witchcraft. They say prayers during this time might be offered uh, personal or on behalf of others. Uh, and again, uh, they may even do it to, to affect the community and, and things of that nature, okay? Also, at this time, they will uh, typically will cast spells, uh, do their spell work, so to speak, uh, could be involved during this, as we saw different kinds of spells, you know, that they'll try to do. And again, it's to whip up what? What you want, a desired result. Or if you don't like what somebody did, boy, they're going to get it from you now, right? But that's where you're at kind of in this ritual process. Now, that's the intent aspect. Now you get to what's called the main body of the ritual. Now, at this point, you did your thing. You told them what you wanted, made your supplication, your little prayer to these uh, deities, which is all demonic, and these uh, spirits, could be, in, which again is demonic. Uh, but then they'll do a, a performance. Now this performance, and this is all in the circle, they'll do what's called a, a ritual drama, right? Uh, or they could cite some uh, pagan poems and things of that nature, or even something that they made up right? Uh, they'll read from uh, their magical texts and things of that nature. They will also, listen, chant, sing, dance, and do other ritual gestures as a, a part of the proceedings to, you know, make sure the deal gets done, sold, you know, what have you. Another big thing that they'll do at the beginning, sometimes also as part of the very beginning step of the um, cleansing part at the very beginning, but also at other times during the ritual is witchcraft is huge on this, folks. You can go to, unfortunately, all kinds of websites. We'll get into this probably next time. And you can buy every little piece of witchcraft material tool you can think of. But one of the things that are really big, and believe it or not, most of us may not realize this, is bells. Witchcraft is huge on bells. And there's a picture of Wiccan Bell. Notice the pentagram uh, right smack dab in the middle. And, uh, but the ritual bell is used for opening and closing your ceremony or ritual cleansing of energies or to help you focus when you're there doing your intent and your spell work and telling them what you want and things of that nature. Uh, and, uh, but also it could be used to, quote, ring-a-ling-a-ling to call upon the gods and goddesses or, quote, deities or elemental powers and energies. Anybody knows anybody else who does the big bell thing? Because we all know that Scripture says when you need something from God, you've got to make sure you've got to ring the bell because I don't know if he's uh, deaf or something or he can't hear you or, or that's just his method that he uses because it's there in the book of Second Opinion, chapter 2. You see that or Hezekiah 5. I don't know if you guys want to look for that. It's not there. How many guys, when you first got saved, you fell for the book of Second Opinions and Hezekiah, book of Hezekiah? Yeah, you know you're out there. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> it wasn't just me. Come on. No. <laughs> Excuse me, of all things, why are you big? Anybody starting to see a pattern here? I mean, first it started off with that fish hat, the fish god that the Pope wears and the priests and stuff, it's all that garb. Where'd you get that from? And then every little other thing you do that has nothing, and we know it, we go like, what's it going to do? I don't need to swing a pot and incense, and I don't need to ring 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 bells, and well, I don't need to build an altar at home. That's blasphemous. I don't pray to dead people, I pray to God. 
what? Why of all things does Roman Catholicism, I mean, it was bad enough you merged and Catholicized Sahuane and merged it with your pagan practice and false teaching of praying to dead people and trying to get dead people out of purgatory, which is a lot from the pit of hell. But everything you do seems to be merging with witchcraft. I wonder why. Maybe because they come from the same thing. Let me give you just one more example. Another big thing that they'll do is have this ritual. It's called cakes and ale. Now, this is in witchcraft. And if you notice, some of the cakes that they make, not just circular, circular with what? A cross. Remember the solar cross was a big symbol? But also sometimes what? In the shape of a what? A crescent moon, right? And so they offer these. It's called the ritual of cakes and ale, also known as cakes and wine, okay? is a big thing. It's a very, very important part. And basically at this point, this is when you say thank you uh, to the deities, the element of forces, basically all the demonic you know, gods and gods worships, all this stuff. And you offer them food and drink to the god and goddess. And again, this is typically at the end. Some might want to do it at the start, but this is kind of the very end. So you're at the tail end of this whole giant ritual. Why do witches do? Why do they meet? Why do they do the circle? Why do they do this pot thing and swing and incense and spells and all? This is the kind of the order typically of what they do. But the end, you basically want to say, all right, here's some food and here's some wine, right? And the cakes and all for that stuff, okay? Uh, and again, they believe that this is just a way to say thanks and maybe again, maybe help seal the deal. Right. Do, do we know anybody else that, you know, um, does stuff like that, maybe? Every time when you see these supposed apparitions, I'm sorry, that's a stain on a concrete wall, uh, but no, that could be Mary. Mary sent us a signal, right? Uh, what do they do? They don't just go there and take pictures of it. What do they do? What do they put in front of it? Offerings. And sometimes, folks, it's no different than you. Oh, look at those people. They went to the Chinese restaurant and they rubbed Buddha's belly. And you see, and you see actually, when you go there, like, they've got money there because they're making offerings. And they do it for legit, not just at the restaurant, but go over to the east. They're still doing witchcraft back there, right? But Catholics do the same thing. And notice all the what? Candles. Huge, exact same thing. Flowers, we'll give you flowers, we'll give you money, we'll do this, you know. And then hopefully if they touch it, uh, you know, uh, it'll give them favor and their life will be great. Folks, how is that any different than this? It's the same mentality of giving food and offering to this so-called goddess that is going to give you divine favor, okay? Now, if you think they don't do that, let me give you a couple examples, okay? And, uh, but when a supposed apparition of Mary shows up, watch what these people do every single time. Still to this day, let's take a look at that. Some people believe this is just a carving in a tree. Others believe that it's a miracle. It's a small carving in a tree measuring about six inches in length, but now hundreds of people are coming by just to take a glimpse of the carving. A carving they believe is of the Virgin Mary. Why do you believe? She said that she feel it in her heart. She feel it inside that it was the Virgin of Guadalupe. Elba was the first to spot the carving Tuesday afternoon on her way to the store here on busy Bergen Line Avenue in West New York, New Jersey. 
By nightfall, word began to spread and the faithful began to gather, so much so that police had to put up barricades and station several officers here. The site has become a sort of tourist attraction with pics of the carving now being sold here. Like all this spiritual energy in that one uh, carving of her, it's amazing. Gianni and his mother Lillian are among the many also praying here. People here believe this carving resembles the Roman Catholic icon known as Our Lady of Guadalupe. Many in the crowd tell Fox 5 that they believe the carving also holds mystical powers. Right now I'm having a lot of sensational feelings and a lot of energies going through my body. And when I touched her, it's yeah. like my fingers felt numb. Believers are flocking. Hail Mary. To this Baton Rouge neighborhood. To see a statue of Mother Mary with her own eyes. The faith of all the people who are coming here is at stake. You see, everyone here believes the statue is bleeding. Hai Win is the owner. His daughter translated for us and says he was doing lawn work when the unexpected happened. He looked up and he saw blood flowing down. Blood dripping from the side of Mary's face. And the word spread quickly. He don't know how to explain it. It's, he just know that maybe the God sent a message through Mary. One faithful says he has seen these manifestations before. A possible miracle right in their living room. A family in northern Israel bought a statue of the Virgin Mary last year. Now they say the statue appears to be crying. Osama Khoury, his wife and children are Greek Orthodox. Some Muslim neighbors have seen the tears as well. It started when Amira Khoury recently noticed the statue was seemingly covered with oil. She says it even spoke to her, telling her not to be afraid. Word of this has quickly spread. Some 2,000 people of all faiths have come to see the statue in just the last week. Nuts. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, let's be honest, folks. If a so-called statue actually spoke to you, how many guys would run out of the room, scream your head off like a little girl? Bob? Yes, exactly. He confirms, right? And not only that, I'm sorry, right? If that was not a setup, uh, it's called, uh, you got it in this glass case, and it's kind of hot in there, and it's called condensation. Okay, that's not a miracle. Oh, by the way, the red thing over there, that's called uh, pigeon dropping is what it is. It's not blood. Give me a break. Come on. Uh, but this goes on all the time, folks, right? Uh, and things of that nature. Now, not only that, uh, what you see is, again, this is happening all over the world, and it's actually increasing. People are falling for it more and more. Now, can I give you a little bit of a crone theory? Not to say it's all on our shoulders, but you know what the church is not talking about? The church does not talk about the occult. The church doesn't talk about false practices. When's the last time you heard a church? We went through it for 12 weeks, and we're still dealing with it again because it's up in our current context and study, but how many churches have warned about the false teachings of Catholicism and Mary worship and all that stuff? You'll never hear that, folks, typically from people. So guess what? It's allowed to run rampant along with witchcraft on a massive scale. And people are lying. They want something. Just because they're not Christian doesn't mean they're not going to worship and follow something. Frankly, they're out there looking. And they're falling to the arms of this occult stuff, even if it's been Catholicized. But let's take a look at some of these visions supposedly of Mary going around the world. Around the world, reports of supernatural events are drawing millions to apparition sites where the Virgin Mary is said to be appearing. Thousands of visionaries from every conceivable background describe a beautiful young woman glowing in radiant splendor. 
Yeah, she's beautiful. She's real big. Yeah, she's big. She's just standing there. Millions flock to apparition sites, hoping to encounter the Blessed Virgin Mary. Consider that 15 to 20 million Marian followers visit a single shrine in Guadalupe, Mexico every single year. An estimated 30 million pilgrims have visited Majugori since the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary began in 1981. Besides the six visionaries who regularly receive messages from the Virgin, thousands of pilgrims claim to see signs and wonders, experience healing, and hear the voice of Mary at Majugori. She appears as a living, breathing, three-dimensional lady, enveloped in exquisite light. Seers, when describing her, admit that the Queen of Heaven transcends human description. The Queen of Heaven, of all titles to give this apparition, we'll get to that in a second, but boy, oh, she appears like a, in this uh, wrapped in, in light, and it's got to be Mary. Quickly, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You've got to read this with your own eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you find 1 Corinthians? Hang right, that's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. I'll give you a little time there. Bob, when you get there, say moo. Moo? Moo, God, I like that, that's good, I like that. What a guy, what a guy. All right, verse 13, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such men are false apostles. What's that mean? Fake, pseudos, autophos, uh, false brothers, Pseudos, apostolos, false apostles. Okay, deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself, what? Masquerades as a what? Angel of light. Yeah, you can't tell me that was God. I had this vision. I was in the bathroom and I was eating a chili cheeseburger. And the next thing you know, Reed, I had this vision. It was an angel and I cried alligator tears and the light shone in the room and it had to have been God. No, it's not. No guarantee. And it certainly is no guarantee this is. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. You're going to get it from God. Crohn's I'm tracing. You don't want to be there. Okay. Uh, but that's no big shame. Oh, an angel of light. She was surrounded by light and it looked like Mary. It had to be Mary. No. It's not Mary. I'll get to the proof of that in a second. But again, what was the phrase there? They're calling her the queen of heaven. Folks, that's the exact same false female deity worship that God rebuked Israel for, and Roman Catholicism has Catholicized it. And it's the same thing witchcraft with their female goddess worship. Let me quote that passage to you. Uh, by the way, here it is. This is the uh, Ishtar in Babylon. It goes far as back to Selene, the moon goddess in Rome. Remember the witchcraft back then. Okay, but that's all they did. They took the witchcraft female worship and they turned Mary into that. And they worship her as a deity. The false teaching of Roman Catholicism is Mary's what? Sinless. That's the uh, immaculate conception. It's not that means a virgin birth. It means she was born without sin. Right? That's a false teaching. 
okay, amongst other false teachings, okay? But let's take a look at that passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 7, 16 through 20. So do not pray for this people, God says, nor offer any plea or petition for them. Do not plead with me, God says. I'm not even going to listen to you. Man, he's kind of upset. Why? Don't he, do, not, do you not see what they're doing in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? You know, as we saw there in New Jersey, uh, looking at a knot in a tree, the children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, the women knead dough and make what? Cakes and ale, baby. Make cakes. And bread for who? The queen of heaven. Folks, what are we talking about here? That's what they're calling this apparition. The queen of heaven. That's what they call Mary. Queen of heaven. You don't have nothing to do with that. God rebukes that. They pour out what? Oh, there it is. Drink offerings to other gods and provoke me to anger. But I'm, I, am I the one they're provoking, declares the Lord? Are they not rather harming themselves to their own shame? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My anger, my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and beast, on the trees of the field, on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. How many guys should say that God does not like at all, to put it mildly, this queen of heaven worship? What, what, what's going on with Catholicism? Not just all the other things that they're doing that matches perfectly, shocker, with witchcraft, their practices. Uh, but even the very ner- tank, the term, Queen of Heaven, has nobody even read the Bible? It's the exact same term. Read the context. It's not something you want to do. Okay? You need to avoid that. Why? Because any worship of any idol is demonic. And if you hear something, see something, it's a demonic, familiar spirit. It's not that person, right? And, and we know that. The reason why we know this apparition is not Mary is because Mary, here it comes, guys. She's dead, right? She's undead. She's really dead, right? She's been dead for a long time. Okay, so guess what? She's in heaven. Mary was a Christian. Read the Gospel of Luke. She had sin. She needed to save her just like the rest of us. Her soul glorified in God, my Savior. She needed to see, right? Mary, I'm sure, was a great godly woman. What a fantastic ministry. God chose her to, to, to give birth with a virgin birth, uh, to carry the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's fantastic. So I'm not downplaying her. But she's not God, and we don't worship her. Okay? She's dead. And what happens when Christians die? Second Corinthians 5.8, absent from the body is to be What? present with the Lord. Mary went straight to be uh, with Jesus in heaven, who's where? At the right hand of the Father, right? To be present with the Lord. That's where he's at, okay? So this entity, it may claim to be Mary. It may be shrouded in light, but it's not Mary. It can't be Mary, okay? Number one. Number two, the Bible's very clear. When you die and go to heaven or you die without Christ and go to hell, you ain't coming back, None of these people that say that these uh, witchcraft or saints or people, Catholics are trying to communicate with, that's not the actual person. You may hear something, I'll give you that. You may be seeing something, I'll give you that. But that's not the real person. Okay, and the Bible's very clear about that. Let me just give you a quick couple passages. Luke 16, 24 through 26, Jesus speaking. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, there's a great what? chasm fixed and what, what what's the purpose of it so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none uh, may cross over from here, there to us back before jesus rose again from the graves we saw sheol was a circular if you will compartment one half of the pie was abraham's bosom or paradise where the righteous people went the other half of the pie was hell or the place of the unrighteous 
okay, which is still there. After Jesus rose again from the grave, that went up the righteous side. Abraham's bosom went to be with Jesus in heaven at the right hand. That's why for you and I today, post the resurrection of Christ, absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. But hell's still there. So even back, even back then when it was still a two-compartment, Sheol, the place of the departed dead, the grave, Okay, or Hades in the Greek, same thing. Okay, uh, you couldn't cross back and forth. You were in hell, you're stuck in hell. You were in paradise, you're in paradise. That was a good place to be stuck. Okay, and then now it's even further. You ain't going to come back, right? And then if you want to get even more clear, then read the book of Job, man. How, it's about as blunt as you can get. Job 9, uh, 7, 9 through 10. As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so he who goes down to the grave does what? does not return. He will never come to his house again. His place will know him what? No more. Job 10, 20 through 21. Are not my few days almost over? Turn away from me so that I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of what? No return. Job 16, 22. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of what? No return. How many of you guys would say that God's kind of blunt that when you die and you go to heaven or you die and go to hell, you ain't coming back? Folks, it's all over the scriptures complex. And the only one occurrence that we know of in the scripture that dictates truth, certain eternal truths and spiritual matters, is the one occurrence we saw where God, who is God, and he has that prerogative as the creator of all life, the author and finisher of life, and he chose, many would believe, to allow Samuel, the prophet Samuel, to come up and rebuke Saul for resorting to witchcraft and basically give him judgment. You're going to die tomorrow with your son. That's it. Every other occurrence, you're in heaven, you're in heaven, you're in hell, you're in hell. You ain't going back. So that tells us, folks, this is uh, what's going on here. I don't doubt that those people are seeing something. That probably looks like Mary or what they think Mary should look like. But you're dealing with a familiar spirit, a demon spirit that God warned about long ago. Don't get involved in these practices of divination that you're trying to speak to a spirit or a dead person, even if it's so-called married dead person or a Catholic saint. It's an abomination. It's a demonic. You're going to be duped. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. When you enter the land the Lord your God's given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Right? Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire who practices what? Divination. What's divination? Speaking to the dead, trying to conjure up the dead, trying to communicate with the dead, right? Or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcrafts, or casts spells, or who's a medium, or a spiritist, or consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is what? Detestable to God. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Okay? So should we be involved in this? Should we give an even ounce of thought of this is supposed to be Mary or listen to Mary or it's Mary in a piece of wood, Mary crying in a statue or Mary bleeding from the side of the head and, or Mary in this actual vision that is, did actually appear but, and surrounded by light. It's got to be Mary. No, Mary's dead. It can't be Mary. It's a demonic deception. And besides, you're what? You're going to this spirit entity, which is a demon, and you're what? Thinking it's going to give you something that you want. Give you favor. And we all know it's got to be true because as the lady said, which is the charismatic mentality, it's also with the Catholic mentality. I just, I felt her speak to me. I heard the voice and I just, I felt my fingers tingle and all. Remember that? And 
So I don't care if you tingled. You know what? You might want to check uh, the electrical cord might have a short in it. You know what I'm saying? Are you standing in a puddle of water and there's a short going on? Whatever? You, right here is what's going to dictate. Not your feelings. But you see people, Catholics, Charismatics, whatever, merging with witchcraft, but it's all that same mentality. That's why they do it. They skew off the Bible. Because it's all about what I felt, what I saw. You weren't there, man. I saw that vision. I had that. You better listen to God. Okay? But again, if, let me give you one more. You know this is not Mary. You know this is demonic. Because these visionaries, like you saw some pictures of these kids, but adults and whatever are supposed to be getting these visions from Mary. Guess what they do in order to get these so-called visions of so-called Mary? They get into an altered state of consciousness. And then, voila, she appears. Right? Let's take a look at that. Recent appearances of Mary have been reported in nearly every habitable nation. Are these events legitimate? Is God sending us a message? However you answer, one thing is certain. The apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary draw millions to every corner of the globe. believe the Blessed Mother is present. Currently, she is appearing all over the world, hundreds of times. There, there are many visionaries. Nancy is one of the links. And uh, the time is running out, and Our Lady said that she is stopping in everywhere. Definitely believe something's going on. And for all those who believe, they may now have the proof they need to convince others. Two scientists from Columbia came to the farm yesterday to study Fowler, and they say she is definitely seeing something when she goes into her trances. It has a brain activity that looks and seems to be like coma, but she is awake and fully responsive. So even the secular people that, you know, we want to verify this is really Mary. The people getting these visions are what? Going into trances and altered state of consciousness, even into a coma-like state. That's from the secular people saying, okay? Do you know anybody else who does that? New Age, the occult, all kinds of stuff we saw. That's a classic way to, quote, communicate with the spirits and things of that nature. But did you see that? All those people, Queen of Heaven worship, folks, is ripe across the planet. Millions of people do it, not just witches. But Catholicism. But nobody puts the two together because they've never been taught about witchcraft. Now, let me give you a couple more examples and we'll start to close out. By the way, shocker, every time I think I'm going to get done on time, it ain't happening, but we're almost done. Uh, uh, let me give you another proof why you know this cannot be Mary. I mean, what we've already discussed should suffice. The Bible is very clear about it. It can't be Mary because she's dead and in heaven. And it can't be. Okay. But what do demons do? They lie. They deceive. They're just like Satan. And what did Jesus say? We've quoted this so many times. John chapter 8. What? Satan is a liar. And he's the what? Father of all lies. And demons follow Satan. So guess what? Demons can't help. Do what? Lie. They're going to lie. They may start out with a truth, but they just can't help themselves. That's their nature. You listen to them long enough, and guess what's going to pop out? 
a lie. So when you listen to these so-called, because this vision, so-called of Mary, is saying something to these people. Is it the truth? No, nothing but lies. And that's what demons do. So let's examine that. All right, let's play a little game show. Let's examine the messages from so-called Mary. Let's take a look. The following represent common messages from the apparition of Mary. Dear children, today I invite you to ask yourself why I am with you this long. I am the mediatrix between you and God. What? Mm. Wrong answer, Mary. You're the, Mary is the mediatrix, the mediator between us and God? What Bible are you reading? I think that's the problem. You ain't reading the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God, one mediator between uh, God and man. And who is that? The man Jesus Christ, not Mary. Right? Let's take a look at another so-called message from Mary. The world is degenerating, so much so that it was necessary for the Father and the Son to send me into the world among all the peoples in order to be their advocate and to save them. What? You're our advocate? Mm. Wrong answer, Chris. Two strikes. Don't get no more whammies. You're going to get out of the game show here real early in the evening. Uh, it, she's, Jesus is our advocate. What Bible you read? I don't think you are. First uh, John 2, 1. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. And you can't get any more clear than this. Who is it? Ain't Mary. Jesus Christ, the righteous. But demons can't help but lie, folks. You listen to them long enough. Here comes another one. I call upon you to open yourselves completely to me so that through each of you, I may be enabled to convert and save the world. What? Mary's going to convert and save the world? Jim, three strikes. You need to exit the facility. We'll see you next week on Sunrise Game Show. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> What's the Bible say? That's the concept, right? Starting to see a pattern. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave who? Not Mary. His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But they're called demons and liars for a reason. They just keep lying. Watch this. I alone am able still to save you from the calamities which approach. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. What? So Mary's going to save us from the calamities to come on the planet and stuff and... Yeah, I don't know if you can get that many and still be on the game show, but that's four strikes. Uh, no, there's only one way to escape God's wrath to come. The seven-year tribulation, the calamities coming on the planet. Uh, and that's through Jesus Christ. For, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who rescues us from God's wrath. But they're demons for a reason. Let's listen to one more. My daughter, in this time I am the ark for all your brethren. I am the ark of peace. I am the ark of salvation. The ark where my children must enter if they wish to live in the kingdom of God. Whoa, we just started off with the text tonight about the kingdom of God, the millennial kingdom, and right. And so apparently the way we make it to the millennial kingdom is through Mary. Mm. Lindsay, that's right. Five strikes. You're out too. Sorry for uh, being so wrong, but uh, we'll pray for you later. Uh, excuse me. That's, Jesus is the way to the kingdom. Hello, right? John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through who? Me, i.e., Jesus, once again, Mary, it can't be Mary. So again, folks, put all this together. Uh, there's no way that could be Mary. Once again, the reason why people are falling for this is because Catholics have been encouraged to basically get involved in divination, to pray for dead people, whether it's saints, whether it's Mary, but it can't be either one. 
And that's what they're looking for inspiration. That's what they're looking for suffocation. That's what they want for, to give them protection and blah, blah, blah. That is no different than witchcraft. Again, they call it exactly, it still blows me away. Has anybody not read the Bible? They call it the exact same false female deity, demon that God rebukes sharply in the Old Testament that Israel had the audacity to do and they're calling it the exact same thing and it's the exact same thing as witchcraft. Nobody ever said, it's like, whoa. But the problem is, folks, listen, not only uh, is witchcraft and the practices flourishing, and not only is, dare I say, Catholicism getting away with basically doing the same thing, even though they Catholicized it, but what's happening is because they're getting away with it because nobody talks about it again. And what's happening is it's not just encouraging people to continue to go down that route, but guess what's on the rise? Not just this deception from Catholicism that's just like witchcraft, but witchcraft itself is on the rise because churches refuse to talk about it, even though it's all over the Bible, like this guy shares. Let's take a look. Thousands of witches gathered last week to cast a spell on President Trump, which they say was to prevent him from harming the country. Well, with Halloween coming up this week, should we take witches seriously? Author and radio host Dr. Michael Brown says that we should. He says the rapid rise of witchcraft in America is real and frightening. I see the same demonic powers that operated of old operating again today. And to me, it's there's a clear line between the radical extreme feminism, between the shout your abortion movement, between the seduction of America through Internet porn, the rise of witchcraft, the fascination with sorcery. It's all of the same spirit, the same demonic forces operating. And last week, New York Times had an article asking When did everyone become a witch? And it said, we have reached peak witch. So this is real. We don't focus on Satan. We focus on the Lord. But the Bible tells us we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And as I was doing research for Jezebel's War with America, I mean, I was stunned to learn that among millennials, there are more witches than Presbyterians. We cannot ignore what's happening spiritually. That is crazy. Well, you found out, as you mentioned in your research, that witchcraft is on the rise while Christianity is on the decline. Um, Those are sad statistics. Yeah. Even if you look at the fascination with sorcery, the most read books in America today, six or seven out of the most 10 read books in America today are Harry Potter books. There's a massive increase in tarot cards that people are talking about. And with witches, they've been gathering regularly to hex the patriarchy or to bind President Trump. But you are talking about people gathering together, appealing to other spiritual powers, and they are militantly against the Bible. They are militantly against Christian values. This is something that's really happening. And what you often see, we have the rise of what we call the nuns, the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people with no religious affiliation. As people turn more and more away from God, It's not, as Chesterton said, that they believe nothing, but they believe everything. They begin to engage in all types of alternative spiritual realities and things that they're seeking after. So the window is wide open now for deception to come flooding in. You even have people professing to be Christian witches. The spiritual warfare is real. We need to be equipped. We need to take on the spirit of Jezebel. It's a real thing. And yet, what's the trend in the church? Don't talk about it. 
Just tell me how to be financially successful. Build up my self-esteem. It's all about me. And if you don't cater your services about me, I'm leaving. Me and my money. Wait till we get to Satanism. That's rampant in church, big time. Folks, this is going on. People don't want to touch it. I, it for years, I, I'm, I've been very um, encouraged by this study myself um, because it's opened my eyes, especially when we went through the world aspect and we saw just how long in every single continent on the planet is basically has been from the get-go after the flood practicing witchcraft still to this day. It's really opened my eyes. I used to think that the church in this age of apostasy that's prophesied by God would be in the last days. We're just in that day, and it's a hard pill for us to swallow. We're living it live. But that's what's going on. But I used to think it was just prophecy. Churches wouldn't touch one, which is one-third of the Bible. One-third of the Bible. They won't touch with a 10-foot pole. It's way beyond that. Take that one-third of the Bible. Right? Now you're left with two-thirds approximately. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about wrath. Uh, Don't talk about anything to do with anything that might scare people, you know, like the devil or demons, spiritual warfare. Don't talk about witchcraft or the occult or anything of that nature. And you know what you're left with? The table of weights and measures is our sermon today. And uh, it's going to be really encouraging. Because this is important. Because once you learn the tables of weights and measures, then that's going to be our sign from God on how to be a financially successful Christian. Do you see how they could whip out a dumb sermon up out of that? Do you see what's happening? It's worse, folks, than what I ever thought. I thought it was just one-third of the Bible. You know what they're doing? They're skipping 99%. And then when you do teach the Bible, which is what you're supposed to do, and that's what we do because it's Sunrise Bible Church. Name was picked for a reason, right? Uh, then you're the bad guy or you're the bad church. You're one of those churches. You're those wackos. Didn't you know I didn't come to services to hear that? All the days that we live in. But you know what, folks? We need to, if the church doesn't get it, or people, dare I say, go to church services. Doesn't mean they're Christians. And maybe that's why they don't hunger for God's word. I don't know about you, when I got saved, I couldn't wait to get in the Bible. I couldn't wait to find one to start reading it. Instantly. The Spirit of God drives you to God's word. If you don't want to have nothing to do with God's word, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. But we need to preach it no matter what's going on in the church, even the days of apostasy, because you know what? There are people out there who is getting involved in this baloney. The occult practices, even if they've been masked or Catholicized, or just flat out, they did on purpose go the way of witchcraft. They need to know there's a way out of this mess, of these dark arts, and the way out is only through Jesus Christ. Like this girl learned. We'll close in prayer after this. I think it's very, very likely that that there was some kind of uh, demonic possession going on here. I almost felt like there was a cloud of darkness around me. For years, Jessica Galbraith was known worldwide as a fantasy artist. Her specialties were vampires, winged fairies, and haunting gothic goddesses. I would try to give them a look like, you know, they were, they were gazing at you with uh, bad intent. They had um, power and secret knowledge that all is wrapped up with the occult. 
It was a power that Jessica discovered when she was a child. I think I always had a strong sense that there was a supernatural world. So it kind of progressed from liking the pretty unicorns to um, buying a tarot deck and bringing it home and, and um, doing readings for my friends and uh, getting a Ouija board. And we would ask for someone to come talk to us, inviting anyone, any whoever's out there, come talk to us. Things would happen all the time. Um, unexplainable things, terrifying things. She saw radios scream on out of nowhere, as well as flying picture frames, broken glass, and complete power outages. The spirits that you think might be ghosts, they're not, they're demons. We were inviting them in, so they thought, let's mess with these girls, you know, let's terrify them. Jessica stopped using Ouija boards in high school, but kept seeking the supernatural. I was looking for knowledge and power and secrets that I thought maybe other people didn't know. I would say that people thought I was a witch. More than anything, Jessica was curious about death. I would read any kind of book I could get my hands on in the new age about near-death experience or the paranormal. My greatest fear was that um, there was either nothing after death and you're just, you know, annihilated or worse that there was a hell and that I was going there. Jessica majored in art in college and began creating images that reflected her obsession with death. She married Josh and they had two kids. I was very empty inside. Uh, Josh and I both were um, really financially driven and we would set these goals for ourselves and once we would reach them, we would be dissatisfied again. As her artwork got darker, she began noticing that her daughter Julia was having abnormal fears. The images from Jessica's paintings were becoming real to Julia. I was afraid of my parents or I dying. I used to have nightmares about this troll guy giving me poison and then driving me away in this brown jeep. Jessica and Josh took Julia to a therapist, but the fear and the nightmares continued. Not long after this, the couple sent their son Joe to a preschool that happened to be Christian. The father of one of Joe's classmates befriended Josh and began questioning the couple about their beliefs. Jessica's mother and stepfather were Christians, and Jessica had already decided that she didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I felt that uh, perhaps God was just a set of rules, a judgmental, scary, uh, authoritarian figure, but I, I felt like he was removed and we were just kind of off on our own here and there was no there was no Satan, there was no, you know, it was just all our imagination. I was very prideful uh, at this point and I didn't need to be saved from anything. I had fallen for that deception that it was trying to hold women down. It was a male-dominated religion and he was able to show me in the Bible how that's not the case at all. As Jessica and Josh read the Bible, everything they had believed and not believed changed. I read the Gospel of John first and I remember looking at Josh saying, wow, I think this, this is it, this is the truth. And my heart softened and I believed that Jesus was who he said he was, he was God. And the Bible is the word of God. And I just remember him, Dan looking at us and say, he just said point blank, well, have you guys accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And we both blurted out yes, and we meant it. I remember Dan saying, well, then your eternity is settled. Isn't that something? When Jessica got home, she had to face the reality of the evil characters she'd created and introduced to others. All these dark images, I'm watching them come out of the printer. 
and I'm thinking about everything, and I, I just felt utter despair. Jessica called her mom. And I just said, Mom, um, I just accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said, but I don't know what to do. I don't feel like he can forgive me. And she said, for your art? I said, yeah. And um, she said, because it's kind of satanic. And I, it just really hit me, like, yes, it's the truth. And just something told me, go open the shade. It wasn't a voice that I heard. It was just in my heart. And I crawled over, tears coming down. And I lifted the shade, and there was a huge rainbow just straight up over the field. And I just felt like God walked right in that room with me and said, I forgive you. It's okay. I haven't looked back since. Jessica and Josh literally dumped all of the dark artwork they had in their house. Jessica removed herself from everything to do with the occult. The couple started going to church and studying the Bible. It's like a veil lifts when you see it. And all, all the power or you know, intrigue that you thought was with the occult is nothing compared to, to the light of God and his supernatural power. And I want everyone to know that God forgives anything. And his grace is big enough for all of us. And all you have to do is ask. And how'd she find that out? Some Christian who knew the truth, who knew God's word, loved her enough to speak up and reach out. Not ignore it, but tell her the truth. And the truth set her free. And now she wants to tell other people. That's what we need to do. I don't know what other churches are doing. But we need to teach. We need to learn. We need to be discipled in all of God's word. Whatever he talks about. Heaven or hell. Sin or forgiveness. Wrath or mercy. The occult or Satan. All of it. Because when we get equipped with the truth, then God could use us as we go out there and make a huge difference to people who act like they got it all together. You may not even know what they're involved in, but they all need Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, as we close, perfect lead-in. She was involved. What did she do to draw people into the occult when she was involved in the occult? She used art, right? And so that's why we're going to finish, Lord willing, our final study is on the promotion of Wicca. And what we're going to see is it's on steroids because the church in mass refuses to talk about this. They're not just out there all over the place. They're out there in every angle you could possibly think of, and they are gaining ground. It could be arts. It could be cartoons. We'll hit Disney one more time, Lord willing. Uh, it's YouTube. It's social media. Even the latest TikTok thing that was supposed to be banned. What's up with that? Uh, everything you could think of, the witches are capitalizing on, and they're using that to promote this rise of witchcraft. At the same time, the church is playing little games. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? 
and the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place, so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way 
that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God. You have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.